0: You're listening to the Forefront Church Sermon Podcast. Forefront Church is a progressive Christian community more interested in asking good questions than having all the right answers. Thanks for listening. Good morning, everyone. Happy Pride. (laughs) We're just going to keep on saying it and keep on saying it. It's a happy day. Um, As Vanita said, my name is Mac. My pronouns are she, her, hers, and it's an honor to be preaching this morning on Pride Sunday as an openly queer woman at a church. (laughs) When my girlfriend Diana and I first moved into our current neighborhood, one of the first things that we noticed was that the apartment across the street from us had this flag on the front door that we didn't recognize. It did have rainbow stripes, but it also had black and white stripes. So, we put our boxes down and pulled out Google and looked it up. (laughs) Apparently, it's an ally flag. Have any of you heard of it before or seen it? Neither had we. (laughs) Uh, But apparently, it is uh, combining the LGBTQ plus pride flag with the straight pride flag. (laughs) Yep. It was April. It was pretty early to start just putting out flags for Pride Month. It piqued our interest, to say the least, and we became quite curious about who might live there and cautiously optimistic about why they might have this flag on their door. We didn't have to wonder for too long because uh, within a week of us moving in, this adorable, petite fashionista named Maria, accompanied by one of her many dogs, came across the street to welcome us into the neighborhood. It's a beautiful day in the neighborhood. (laughs) (laughs) Maria's lived on her block for some time through God knows how many seasons of gentrification in Park Slope. And I don't know how many years she's had that flag on her door. But over the year-plus that we've lived across the street from her, I've seen how outgoing and friendly she is to everyone who passes by. She has three dogs who she takes out multiple times a day, one at a time. (laughs) Because she's very small and her dogs are very large, so that would be a little bit challenging for her. I'm pretty sure she's retired, so she is constantly coming up and down those stairs with a different dog and every time I see her outside, she's talking to someone new like they are her best friend in the whole world. It makes me wonder, <clears throat> how many people over the years have asked her about her flag and what it means and what it stands for? How many people may she have helped take steps closer and closer to affirming the LGBTQIA community? Simply by making herself known that she is available for friendly conversation, this unapologetic affirmation is able to have such an incredible impact. In some ways, Maria reminds me of Philip in Acts (laughs) when he uh, meets the Ethiopian eunuch in Acts 8. For those of you that Uh, come regularly or tune into our live stream. You may recall Reverend Josh preaching on this exact passage in our Whispers of the Spirit series a few weeks ago. Um, But whether or not you recall that exact sermon, I invite you to continue embracing this text this morning with a sense of wonderment. Maybe you'll notice something new or can expand on your previous findings. But the story goes like this. An angel told Philip to go to the road that goes from Jerusalem to Gaza, and it's on his way that he meets a eunuch. The eunuch had gone to Jerusalem to worship, and on his way home, he was sitting in his chariot, reading the book of Isaiah the prophet. The spirit told Philip, "'Go to that chariot and stay near it.'" Okay? (laughs) Philip ran up to the chariot and heard the man reading Isaiah the prophet. And Philip asks, "'Do you understand what you're reading?' How can I, eunuch said, unless someone explains it to me. So he invited Philip to come up and sit with him. Let's pause there for a second. The eunuch is reading this text that he doesn't understand. And this random person comes up, asks if he understands it. And the eunuch just says that he needs someone to explain the information. The passage that uh, the eunuch was reading um, goes like this (laughs) He was led like a sheep to the slaughter, and as a lamb before its shearer is silent, so he did not open his mouth. In his humiliation, he was deprived of justice. Who can speak of his descendants? For his life was taken from the earth. In his humiliation, he was deprived of justice. The eunuch asks Philip, tell me, please, who is the prophet talking about, himself or someone else? Philip began to explain that very passage and told him the good news about Jesus, and as they traveled along the road, they came to some water, and the eunuch says, look, here's water. (laughs) What is standing in the way of me being baptized? He gave orders to the chariot to stop, and both Philip and the eunuch went down to the water, and Philip baptized him. Imagine that, to just see water, and your first thought be, why not get baptized right now? (laughs) Because Philip was led to the right place at the right time and was open for discussion, the eunuch was able to understand the good news of Jesus and ended up choosing to be baptized. He wasn't told to be baptized. He wasn't told you should understand this. Questioning was invited. Discernment was invited. And the eunuch chose this on his own. It really is amazing to see what can happen when you're just open for discussion and welcome questioning. Being available for such conversation is so incredibly important. Diana and I uh, were talking about this and unfortunately we both often assume the worst until proven otherwise in regards to straight people and their stance on LGBTQIA inclusion. And I say unfortunately because it is unfortunate. You could be the nicest human in the world, but if you aren't outwardly and loudly claiming your LGBTQIA inclusion or talking about how affirming you are of queer folks, I'm just going to err on the side of caution because that's what the world's conditioned me to do. That's what our country has conditioned me to do. I have my guard up. To be unapologetically affirming, not just to those that you already know or assume to be queer, but to those that you maybe assume to be straight, can cause such ripple effects that saves lives and aids in propelling Christianity into this next 500 years that we dream of and speak of here at Forefront. We're already in that next 500 years right now. If a cisgendered, so not trans, heterosexual, so not queer, person is reading about affirming Christianity, and they've never heard this kind of Christianity explained before. They may be just as confused as the eunuch, or maybe a lot more confused. But what if you can be the Philip in the story? Just being available. Breaking it down for them. Explaining it to them the best that you can, without judgment. Maybe, just maybe, they will end up wanting to live into the same affirming faith that you've helped them to understand that they may have never known had it not been for your voice and your openness. As the eunuch said, how can I understand unless someone explains it to me? If they've never heard it before, how can they understand unless you explain it to them? One more commonly, um, or the more commonly compared Version of this story, if if there's an openly or maybe closeted queer person in your life who is more like the eunuch, what if your understanding and unapologetic proclamation of affirming faith is what helps this person come out or helps them to realize that they can find our loving holy parent and have this faith, this relationship, or help them to realize that they can be both queer and Christian and God loves them exactly as they are, full stop. What if by you being there, they can come to terms with that? Because how can I understand unless someone explains it to me? It took me 26 years to understand this powerful, powerful fact. I could have used this unapologetically affirming Christian in my life at 10 years old, at 15 years old, at 23 years old, I could have used this affirming space to help me get to that point. But I got there at 26. At least I got there. God loves me exactly as I am. God made me in God's image, and God made me queer. I spent much of my life trying to hide who I was because no one ever told me explicitly that there was another way until I stumbled into this room a Forefront Service a few years ago and heard the good news, heard that all are welcome at the table, that there is a just and generous expression of Jesus, and someone just had to take the time to explain it to me. I'm an actor and an acting teacher, so I'm going to take you on a little exercise. (laughs) Bear with me. (laughs) I want you to close your eyes. Everyone else in the room is going to do it, so you don't have to feel too awkward about it. (laughs) And take a deep breath in and a deep breath out. And I want you to imagine yourself from maybe five years ago or 10 years ago or even 15 years ago. What would that version of you think of the you right now at a church on Pride Sunday talking about being unapologetically affirming? What would they think? Would they believe you? Would they be proud? Would they be appalled clutching their pearls? (laughs) Now, on the flip side, I wanna think of yourself 15 years into the future, or 10 years, or five years, whichever version of you that you can grasp in your mind, and think about how you will spend the rest of your day today as New York City Pride takes over the town. What would future you think of how you spent Pride Sunday 2022? Would they be proud of, I don't know, what you chose to wear or where you chose to go later today or who you chose to speak to? Or better yet, how you chose to speak to them? Okay, you can open your eyes. <laughs> I, I don't take us on this little exercise to create shame on anyone. I wanna make myself very, very clear about that. This is not an exercise for shame, this is just for reflection. Because I want you to think about how every version of our past selves is what has led us to this point today. If you were not affirming five, 10, 15 years ago, you might be disappointed in your past self, but don't be ashamed because somehow, along the way, you ended up here. And your choices today are going to have a ripple effect on the you that you become in the future. The conversations that you have will have a ripple effect on the people that you speak to. You have a voice and you have a heart and you have the gift of independent thought. so I am asking you to use it. Use those things. Lean into what you care about. Don't be passive. You are capable of playing so much more than a passive part in this journey that is queer inclusion. I'm talking to you allies. So often we stand up here just speaking to our queer friends, our queer siblings on how you're welcome at this table. And you are 100%. But allies, I don't want you to feel left out in this conversation because you are so important in the journey. Speaking of allies, Reverend Vanida had this quote in her recent blog that she announced. Definitely go check that out um, if you want to hear this exact topic spoken uh, from an ally's point of view. But she had this quote in there, and it really hit close to home, especially in light of the current state of our country. So let me read it for you. If you are neutral in situations of injustice, you've chosen the side of the oppressor. Archbishop Desmond Tutu. Let's read it again. If you are neutral in situations of injustice, you've chosen the side of the oppressor. It kind of (laughs) stings. Neutral is a stance that one might take when they're choosing what kind of soap to use. Staying neutral on human rights or bodily autonomy or a version of faith that makes queer and trans youth fear for their lives or worse, take their own lives, that's choosing the side of the oppressor if you're neutral. Can you think of a person or maybe an institution (laughs) in your life recently that has taken a neutral stance on a situation of injustice? Do they have the power to make a more active choice or help convince others to seek justice, but instead they chose to defer? Bet that doesn't feel so neutral. Does it make your blood boil? Because it definitely makes mine. As the text earlier said, he was led like a sheep to the slaughter. And as a lamb before its shearer is silent so he did not open his mouth. I can only imagine a deep fear in front of your slaughterer. In his humiliation, he was deprived of justice. That's right where they want us. Even though I am drained and I am angry and I am really, really scared for what might come next. I refuse to be silent. And I refuse to be deprived of justice. In the midst of it all, I'm finding glimpses of hope. I'm forcing myself to try to find these glimpses of hope, of pride in my very queer, very brown womanly existence. Because I have to. Hiding is what they want. I will not choose the side of the oppressor. Being unapologetically me and unapologetically affirming feels like a really powerful form of resistance right now, and that is something that I refuse to let anyone take from me. I went to the dyke march last night. Um, it was my first time there. <laughs> and when I first arrived, I felt really empty and really anxious, and I kind of just wanted to go home. But then, as time went on, and the march continued, it started to be more healing than anything else. So many people gathered. We marched through the city with our heads high, our queerness loud, and our anger fueling our pride, or maybe our pride fueling our anger, or a little bit of both, for nearly three hours. It was so liberating. At some point during Pride Month, my neighbor Maria, her ally flag was taken down and the progressive pride flag was put up. I don't have an image of it today, but the progressive flag, I'm sure you've seen it, is the rainbow flag, but with the arrows of the trans flag colors and the black and brown arrows as well. I don't know that this happened last June. I don't remember it happening. And I don't honestly remember exactly when she chose to put it up this time. And I don't know what made her come to that conclusion, but I have to assume that she's seeking out ways to learn and to keep grooming and to keep openly affirming without asking her lesbian neighbors to educate her. <laughs> it would be okay if she did ask, but she's, she's finding a way to educate on her own, and it's clearly clearly making an effect. The symbolic shift of Maria's front door decor brings me hope right now. It was exciting and affirming before and it's extra exciting and affirming now. (laughs) 14 months ago, it was a flag that put the emphasis on gay-straight alliance, which is very, very important. But now, the emphasis is on black, brown, and trans humans that fall within the magical rainbow and that's extremely important. There are a lot of letters in the alphabet as we talked about during the meet and greet, (laughs) but we often only celebrate one or two. What does it mean to be more intentional about celebrating and affirming our siblings who identify as pan, bisexual, ace, trans, non-binary, poly, intersex, If we don't know what some of those identities mean, what resources or Phillips in your life can we seek out? Ask clarifying questions. As I said, it might be okay to ask your queer friends, but I encourage you or maybe challenge you, don't just ask your queer friends. Some of us really don't mind answering questions, but it does really help if you do your own research first. What would happen if you talked to other straight allies, and learn something new from them. Again, none of this is to shame anyone, it's just to challenge us to take it a little step further. Just to, just to shift from this potentially, unintentionally passive stance to an active one. We cannot claim to fully support the LGBTQIA community without actively aiming to identify, understand and educate ourselves on what each letter means and acknowledging their very real and worthy existence. When we talk about our anger in regards to the recent SCOTUS decision to overturn Roe v. Wade, and oh, yeah, there's anger in this body. I encourage us to remember that cis women aren't the only humans with uteruses. Consider how much more dangerous the world just became, not only for cis women, but for our trans and our gender queer siblings. When your circles are discussing these current events, because let's face it, everywhere I turn, we're talking about it, help gently correct them if they're continuing to speak on the binary. It's a simple shift from passive to active. You might agree on your stance when you're talking about your anger around this, And you can say yes, and let's remember our trans siblings. Because how can I understand unless someone explains it to me? How can they understand unless someone explains it to them or reminds them? I had the opportunity to thank Maria this past week, (laughs) letting her know that I wanted to use her. (laughs) I told you she's adorable! (laughs) I got to thank her on this day, and had Diana take a picture, Um, (laughs) and I let her know that she's made a real impact on us, and I wanted to thank her and use her as an example of what a good ally looks like, and this is actually the first time that we've even talked about her flags. In 14 months, we've never talked about it, and the impact of her outward affirmation has had on both me and my girlfriend. And I'm sure the many people that have come down our block. I like to think of her as our block's very own Mr. Rogers. And (laughs) I trust that if anyone comes her way who maybe isn't sure if a couple like Diana and I should be together or live together, she'd take the time to explain it to them. Kindly but sternly. (laughs) So that we don't have to prove ourselves. We know Maria's got our back. On Pride Sunday, and always, (laughs) yes, representation matters. As I said at the beginning, it's an honor to stand up here on Pride Sunday as an openly queer woman to preach at a church. Raising our voices matter. But the biggest takeaway, if nothing else, that I want you to hear this morning, allyship matters. And being an ally is an active choice. As I keep repeating, let's remember when the eunuch asked, how can I understand unless someone explains it to me? And to that I ask you, how would the eunuch have even had the chance to ask that if Paul hadn't made himself, uh, Paul, (laughs) Philip hadn't made himself, (laughs) wrong story. If Philip hadn't made himself open and available for conversation in the first place. (laughs) As the band uh, makes their way back up to the stage, I'm going to invite you to do one more little exercise with me. I just want you to hold out your hands in sort of a gesture of receiving or being open. And you can tilt your head a little bit up towards the ceiling and close your eyes if you're comfortable. And I'm going to pray part of our liturgy that I wrote for the series. Holy parent, you made us in your image and love us unapologetically. Grant us the courage to reflect that kind of radical love onto others. We will not gatekeep this affirming faith. And the children of God said, amen. Amen. Thank you so much. We're moving into a time of prayer now. And I invite those of you tuning in online or even those of you here in the room, if you do have your phones, you can drop your prayer requests or your praises into the comment section right now on the live stream. And Josh will come up to read some of them aloud in a minute. But if you're here in the room and want one-on-one prayer, come and find me or another staff member. We would be more than happy to pray with you and celebrate you this morning. Happy Pride, everyone.